Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. Is episode 468 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I interview Steve Duran of Ogre Pixel and ask them about the design and development of their sticker book driven adventure game, A Tiny Sticker Tale. This has to be one of the most charming games I've ever played. Yes, ever. Not just the last five years or this year. No, ever. The concept of it is that you have a sticker book. And your little character walking around, sadly, recently lost their father. And they're trying to find their way in the world. And they find themselves on this island, walking around with this sticker book. And this sticker book is a magical sticker book. Because it can you can add things to the sticker book from things in the world. You basically tear them off and put them in your book. And then you can replace them, you know, renew them, and put them on the world and change the world itself from something quite benign by putting a bridge across a, like a, a river or something more impactful like putting the sun in the sky because the sun is also a sticker. Yes. It's a wonderful game. Steve's a wonderful guest. and really had a great time chatting to him about the creation of A Tiny Sticker Tale. Now, the music is by Maho Felix and is available on Steam. You can download the OST. We've got some samples here on the shows we always have. And we have linked the soundtrack to the show notes, so you can grab it from there. So, without further ado, let's listen to me from the relatively recent past talk to Steve about A Tiny Sticker Tale. Chris, take it away. Hello, Steve. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Could you tell us who you are and what you do? Uh, sure. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me here. My name is Steve. I am director of an indie studio from Mexico named Ogre Pixel. We have been creating games since 2014. And uh, our last uh, game was launched uh, a couple of days ago, and it's titled A Tiny Secret Tale. Could you tell us, Steve, how did you make your start making video games? Uh, well, since, since I was a child, I wanted to create games, but back in that time, and also being uh, from here, from Mexico, uh, thinking in creating video games was almost like thinking of um, being an, an astronaut. It was uh, super hard. It wasn't something achievable. And well, 
time after I I found uh, Unity and other tools, uh, which for which which I I knew I could create games and publish games, and that's how I started in 2014. So a little over nine years, then you've been making games since then. Okay, and um, could you tell us as a creator? What are your biggest influences? Uh, it's definitely uh, Nintendo. I grew up playing uh, Nintendo with my older uh, brothers. My first console, which was 100% mine, was a Game Boy. Uh, later, it was a Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64. Yeah, so I, I think that as many other uh, game developers uh, or or most influence comes from Nintendo. And what aspect of Nintendo do you think you draw from most? Uh, I think it's not exactly directly from Nintendo, but it's from a game. Uh, when I was a child, I used to my, my brother used to play Super Mario games on, on the on the Nintendo Entertainment System, and I wasn't good at it. Because it requires skill, so or the game which changed the game for me was uh, on my Game Boy, The Legend of Zelda: uh, Link's Awakening, and it was big, uh, most of all because of the of the pacing of the game. I could have Link uh, walking around, uh, attacking monsters, laying in the front of the beach, and I had I had. And I hadn't to worry about continuing forward, uh, and that that moment was what uh, brought me to to the video games, with the interest of creating video games. Okay, okay, fantastic. Could you tell us what video game developer do you admire most and why? Um, I think it would be yeah, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, because of the creation of those. Universes, uh, Super Mario Universe, the Legend of Zelda Universe, uh, yeah, and so, it's, it's very attached. Uh, sorry, and it's very attached to the influence I, I had when I was a child. But yeah, no, very good. a common answer on this show to this mm-hmm. question, and rightly so. Yeah. So my last question of the first half. Here we go. It is this: What are you playing right now? Okay, that that's a good question. I, I I sadly have to say that I am not a gamer as I wanted to be, mm. because I I'm, I'm running over Pixel. I have a, I have children, so I had to uh, to spend time with them. And I'm not saying in a, in a bad way, it's just that I'm with them. Uh, talking about my children, I think what I have played more the most is uh, Mario Party on Nintendo Switch with my daughter. Yeah, it would be. It's it's a remarkable game, that isn't it? How uh, it's uh, it's deeply unfair, but that's fun. It's a fun unfair. It's like everyone under is buys into the fact that is this broken? Oh yes, totally. Let's just go with it, and it's fine. Uh, and it's very much aimed at families, isn't it? Families getting together, and rather, it's better than that than the Monopoly, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. That just causes horrible arguments, but Mario Party is just nonsense, and everyone buys into it. But it's a it's a it's a spectacle, isn't it? It really is. I think it's wonderful. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the end of the first half. Well done, you made it. Let's uh, let's move on to the second half of the show, where we're going to be delving deep into a tiny sticker tale. If you could tell us, what is a tiny sticker tail? Yeah, sure. A tiny sticker tail is a a short and emotional adventure about the stickers. But what is about stickers? Here, the player will have the the power of take elements or stuff from the world and turn it into a sticker, and then uh, keep it in the the sticker album. So you can take a tree and keep it in your sticker album go to another place and take that sticker from your album and place it back to the world. So this is the core mechanic of a tiny sticker tale. And the, the entire game uh, is uh, created around this core mechanic. It's very liberating to be walking into a space and going, you know what, I can grab that tree and just shove it in my book. And now the tree's gone, it's now in my book. Um, and it's just so wonderful. And I want to ask my first sort of technical question now to you. So here we go. Brace yourself. Yeah. With any puzzle adventure game, being able to understand what the player can do, what they are capable of doing, um, is key to them not becoming frustrated. They must know the limits of their abilities once they know that, they, the solving of the puzzles presented them becomes much easier. Not not completely to the point where they're not challenging, but they are easy to understand. So what have you done? And I think I know the answer to this, but I want you to tell me. What have you done in a tiny sticker tale to prevent the sense of frustration? Because I never felt that in my playthrough of, of a tiny sticker tale. I never did. But I just want to, want you to tell me how did you how did you achieve that because it's no mean feat. Okay, yeah, it's it's an interesting question, and that's something uh, so, uh, something we we have to to take into consideration while designing uh, puzzle puzzle games. Um, something we like to do is that start with the basics for the players. We, we start with a kind of onboarding for the players. So with the very basic stuff to know how the, the core mechanics work, then we move to, to a certain situation where, they, where, it's, uh, where the player has to, to solve something 
without uh, being frustrated. And once we feel that the player is ready, we start with, with uh, situations or puzzles which need, uh, which are more complex for the player. Uh, and that's in, in terms of the, the theory we, we follow, but in practice, we try to do that, but also it's, uh, we, we do this with a lot of, uh, of testing, uh, in quality testing. We have friends, we inside a team play the game. Uh, we, we inside the, the team play the game. And if we feel the, the, that puzzle, that situation is well-designed, we move to another layer, we call it layer with friends and uh, other game developers. So it's, it's pretty much that what we do. Uh, on one side, the theory of doing this way, and on the other side, trying to see how it works with other people. Another thing I found when playing a tiny sticker tail was the need to pay attention. If there's one thing I learned when playing it, there's every way, if you, all you have to do, because everyone, when you're moving, you're moving, it's a fixed screen, it's not scrolling, you move from one space to another, you're in another environment, another area. And you, you just got to pay attention and look around and listen and, and read and listen to what the people are saying to you. Because they do give you wonderful clues like, I can, you know, get rid of rocks if it's daytime, and doesn't, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, what do you mean if it's daytime? And it's, it's just, that's one of the earlier puzzles that you encounter. It's not much of a spoiler, but it's one of the minor that you count, the little uh, minor sort of monkey fellow who will yeah. remove some rocks from a very important location. Provided there's the sun. Where do you get the sun? Well, how do you? <laughs> and I just mm-hmm. wanted, wanted to know, what do you, what have you done in the design of a tiny sticker tail to encourage the player to, to sit and drink in and stop running around and going, could you just pay attention and have a look? Mm-hmm. And you'll miss a lot of things if you don't sort of, slow down a little bit what do you what do you think you've done to encourage that kind of behavior in a tiny sticker tail mm, yeah yeah sure in a tiny sticker tail we divided the 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 map of the island in in these uh, spaces you mentioned we call it dioramas we wanted to think of on uh, on it uh, as a diorama and this was at first uh something we wanted to be attached to the to the sticker theme of the game i mean when when we were kids uh, we had this kind of books with uh, a very specific scene and stickers we could place to decorate that scene so following that idea is that we created those uh, dioramas uh, for for a time secret tale and that's why we we divided the the map in, in, in those uh, rooms or, or areas. So that's, that's uh, one of the, of the things we consider. Another thing was that uh, f- that will help the core mechanic of taking and placing seekers to, to have this as a, as a very concrete area will allow the player to, under- to better understand the, the possibilities. 
there is we we feel there is a lot of possibilities with the stickers there are reactions uh, among uh, between the npcs reactions with the environment etc but it will be easier most of all for the player to understand in, in very concrete uh, rooms so that's why we we are doing that way and that also brought us to to uh, some kind of problem we have to solve is that the dialogues of the characters don't have to be specific to a certain to a certain uh, place. We we couldn't add a dialogue like "Hey, check that tree," because as the characters can be taken to other places, that dialogue wouldn't wouldn't make sense. So we are we were very careful to with those dialogues, like say "Hey, go to my workshop," or "Let's go to the, all the way to the east." to the northeast of the island. So anywhere where the character is placed, the dialogue will make a sense. Yeah, and it works a treat. It really works so well. And I just felt the need to highlight to this to, to you is that even the most subtle sentence, you go, oh, hang on. I know what they're talking about there. I think. I saw a thing earlier about two screens away. And it's very clever, mm. you know. It's a, you're mm. not bashing. You're not even got like a breadcrumb trail to find out where something is. It's like no, no. It's you'll figure it out. You credit the player with some intelligence, and you credit them with having attention and remembering things. Mm. So, next question: the sticker book. There's two sticker books. There's the one where you're using at the time to. Put it, so you take stickers and you pull it from the world, mm. you place it in your book, and you've got limited space, although that, that does change. I'm not going to say how, but it does. But ultimately, you do have a limited space. And that's one sticker book. But there's other sticker book, which is your collection. And these are the stickers you've encountered in the world, and you get more and more of these as you go along. And it gives a player the sense of progression, sense of like, you're you're about fifty percent now. You're about sixty percent now. Was it always present in a tiny sticker tail, or was it added later? How did that second book come into play? Mm, yeah, the the second book, which we we, we call, call it the album, the collect, collectible album, it was present since the beginning because uh, we we are. Every every game we create, we are trying to create some kind of collectibles for the game to improve replayability, give a better experience to players, to completionist uh, players. So for us, it was very uh, direct and uh, specific, which will be the collectible in this case, which are all the stickers. So uh, everything which can be taken as a sticker becomes a collectible uh, which has a room in the in the album we internally call this like the pokedex from pokemon like when you collect a pokemon you have the information from that pokemon so yeah internally we call it we started calling it the, or, or the pokedex from the game and about the the the, the first sticker sticker book it's uh, well, well. I don't know if it's coming in in another question, but the reason uh, why 
uh, it's that it works that way is also because of the sticker theme. Uh, and we were very careful to create the collider of each item very aligned to the border of the sticker. So you can be very precise to place the stickers. And also other people have told us that that, uh, that kind of inventory reminds them to the inventory from Resident Evil 4, where you have to, to arrange your items in a certain way that you can have our, our free space. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, I, personally, it reminded me of Diablo, mis subbing things around so you could get mm -hmm. some inventory space working. Um, although not as dark as the think lack of terrible demons trying to chew your face off in in uh, <laughs> in uh, a tiny sticker tail because everyone if you're not, if you're not aware of this by now there's no violence at all in a tiny sticker tail absolutely none it's all about exploring and helping people because that's a theme throughout this whole game is uh, helping and assisting and and just being kind to each other. It's wonderful. So my last question is this. Some of the items the player collects and puts in their sticker book can have a dramatic effect on the environment of the, um, the, the area they find themselves in, that uh, diorama, as you described them. And there's a lot of these in the tiny sticker tone. In fact, the... The, the 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 variety of of effects are quite broad, uh, which is quite surprising. So I have to ask the question: How did you find designing the effects that these stickers had on the world? And were you worried about it escalating beyond a point? How did you find reining yourself in? Because you could have had stickers upon stickers upon stickers doing all sorts of things, but you didn't do that so much there are there is some layering i call it layering like you put a sticker in and something would happen then you do another sticker and something happened but it wasn't really that the wasn't that deep for uh, i know for good reason because otherwise it would have been very difficult to play so yeah just talk us through the design of the interface or the interaction of the diorama with the sticker placements yeah here the the limitation uh, yeah, as you mentioned, we could uh, create stickers and combine stickers and have very, uh, different uh, reactions and effects on the environment. Uh, we, want, we wanted to keep it kind of simple. I, I mentioned kind of because uh, in, in, inside the programming, it's, it's, it wasn't easy. I mean, uh, we had to, as you mentioned, different layers. For example, there are moments where there's a sticker which uh, makes the diorama to go to the night. If it's in daylight, it goes to night. And certain NPCs or characters go to sleep and they're just sleepy. And on the other side, if we have an NPC, which is a, a, a little dog, and if you place the dog near another character, the character will approach and will pet the dog. So that simple example uh, combined, combined uh, forced us to create layers about, okay, if, it's, if the character is sleeping and the dog is placed, what, what, is, what, what will happen first? Okay, so 
in the first layer was the environment, on the second layer was the other reactions, and and yeah, I think we have three three layers, in, uh, logically in the game. So <clears throat> yeah, we are not combining stickers to keep it simple. Uh, each sticker has a different. The, we have stickers which are for decoration, stickers which have uh, used are used as a tool, like the fishing rod, or or the um, or or the bomb. We have stickers which modify the environment, and we we have stickers which act, which allow the player to reach certain uh, places, which are not like the bridge or or a ladder or a ladder. So yeah. We try to classificate the stickers in different uh, uses or types, and yeah, we we focus on 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 the types of uh, I mentioned decoration. Uh, the characters are stickers themselves. The, uh, the tools and uh, the stickers to reach other places. And you do a wonderful job of it. Like I said, it could have got out of control, but you reined it in and you just said, no, this is what we're going to do. This is the established sort of uh, engine or model or whatever you want to call it. But it was very, I thought it was very successful. And I really, it uh, made life very straightforward. Like there's a, there's a definite cause and effect to everything. And it was very well advertised. So a tiny sticker tail. It's been developed by Ogre Pixel. Now, I have to ask, where does the name of your your studio come from? Ah, uh, yeah, it it came back in 2014. At first, the first games we were created were uh, with pixel art style, and this was because uh, I I started Ogre Pixel as a one one man studio. Uh, my background is uh, programming engineering. So I'm a programmer, and then I tried to join uh, a team with uh, Ari with an artist, but I couldn't find any anybody. <laughs> so I started creating my I started creating pixel art, but when when Windows ninety five Windows ninety eight exists, I used to create icons for for the applications for the programs. In that moment, in that time, it were they were not called uh, applications; they were called programs. So anyway, so uh, that's where the pixel comes, and the the word ogre comes because my wife and I are fans of fantasy, uh, uh, like dragons, orcs, uh, Tolkien stuff. So yeah, we 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 like the the ogre to be the the icon or the image of the studio, and that's where ogre pixel came from. I think it's wonderful they got this like split between something that's huge and something that's tiny. <laughs> What's an ogre pixel? I don't know, but that's what we are. It's wonderful. So what platforms is a tiny sticker tail available on? Uh, right now it's available on Nintendo Switch and Steam. Uh, on Steam, it can be played on PC, uh, Mac, Linux, and it's verified on Steam Deck. And we are planning to take it to Xbox. Wow. Okay. Well, I wish the best of luck with that. I personally played it on my PC. I don't know why. I do have a Steam Deck, 
for I just for, I was happened to be working away. And I thought, well, better. It's, it's, it was downloading while I was doing something. When it, when it downloaded, I immediately jumped on it and then kept on playing because everyone, a tiny sticker tail is very sticky. See what I did there? Ooh. Sorry, apologies. Make you can make it a box quote or something. Anyway, <laughs> Steve, it's been wonderful having you on the show. It genuinely has. Um, you've been very open and honest about the design and creation of a tiny sticker tail, and you're more than welcome to come back to talk about what's next brewing in your brain, whatever it may be. Thank you. But in the meantime, thank you so much. Thank you, and I, I like the the questions in terms of the game design because I, I'm not a game designer in terms of my education, but I'm a game designer in terms of creating games, a lot of games. And I, I, I like I, I love to to design games, and I'm I'm happy uh, talking about it. <laughs> yeah, it shows. So thanks. Well, that was a great little chat, wasn't it? Like I said, tiny sticker tail, special game. Do have a go, check it out. It's it's available right now, uh, and it works on Steam Deck if you have got one of those. Next week we'll be featuring. Jon Heitzman of Asylum Square to chat about the creation of Tiny Thor, which is an amazing platform game. It looks like a SNES game, but it isn't. It's so beautiful as well, really plays exceptionally well, extremely well designed, very tightly designed. A lot of love, care and attention has been put into creation of Tiny Thor. So do join me and Johan next week to talk about Tiny Thor. Until then, I'll hand you over to my pre-recorded self. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, caneandrinse.com. <laughs>